Welcome back to Something Ominous. This is your host, Jessica. And I'm Karina. This is episode 11. 11. Woohoo! <laughs> we hope you liked episode 10. I think we got really good feedback from it. A lot of people told us it was scary. Yeah, I left the part where the audio got cut off because I wanted you guys to experience what we experienced and I wanted to make it feel very real. I did have some like, what the fuck you left that on there? <laughs> I forgot that that happened. So when I was listening to it, I was like, <gasps> like if I wasn't there, <laughs> you're like, uh, you messed up on the editing. Yeah. And then you realize that that was what happened when it cut yeah. off. And then I remembered and I was like, OK, I'm glad. I'm glad that part was there because it, it really happened. Do you remember the first episode that we did? I just thought about it right now. The interface turned off. But it didn't do that noise. It just turned off and it went straight to recording on this. Oh, yeah. On the laptop. Yeah. And this one, it didn't do that. I don't know. Maybe it has to do with the system that we're using. But with the other one, it went straight into the yeah, laptop. I and you couldn't that. tell that it stopped recording. Interesting. I know that it happened on episode 10. So who's going first? I'll do it. Okay. I'll go first. This case is known in Mexico as La Llena de Querétaro or El Caso Mijangos. Now, I want to start off by giving you guys a trigger warning. The case does cover a violent crime towards kids. I will not go into much detail on what was done, but for those who don't like to hear any type of crime on kids, you are more than welcome to skip my section only, okay? Not Karina's, not the whole episode, just mine. So I would say maybe like the first, I don't know, 30 just kidding my episode's not that long i know we're never accurate when it comes to timing yeah maybe like 10 minutes just keep skipping okay until you hear karina's voice in the neighborhood of jardines de la hacienda in querétaro mexico there is a house located on the street of hacienda del vejil where a horrific crime occurred many that pass by the house can feel a presence or just like an eerie feeling when you're walking by the house has sat vacant for more than 30 years because the crime was so horrible, no one ever dared to buy this house or even want to live in it. I mean, like, who would? I know I wouldn't. So I was watching Canal Redmas on YouTube where they brought in a paranormal group called Extra Normal from Mexico. You've heard of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. This is the first time I ever came across them. One of the paranormal investigators mentions that even the neighbors struggled to live in their home. They also struggled to sell their houses or rent their homes. Claudia Mijangos was born in Mazatlán, Sinaloa, into a wealthy family. She lived a happy childhood. I kind of imagine her to be one of those kids that their parents put them in like every single activity that there is. They even enlisted her into beauty pageants. Because of her beauty, she went and won one of those pageants. She was described to be very beautiful, and she was. She was a very beautiful woman. Claudia married Alfredo Castaños Gutierrez and had three kids. 11-year-old Claudia Maria, 9-year-old Ana Belén, and 6-year-old Alfredo Gutierrez. After the death of her parents, Claudia inherited a good amount of money and moved to Querétaro, Mexico with her family. On April 24, 1989, Claudia Maria, the 11-year-old daughter, woke up to the screams of her little brother, 9-year-old Alfredo. She gets up and walks into the room to see their mother, Claudia, stabbing him to death. Claudia Maria, the daughter, screams to her mom to stop it and tries so hard to get her mother to stop. Claudia eventually does stop, but turns around and runs after Claudia Maria, stabbing her to death. Oh no. 
also sad. So she gets a hold of her and stabs her to death too. After that, she walks to the room where nine-year-old Anna Belen is sleeping, and she does the same to her. Reports say that she then put all the bodies on one bed, and then she laid next to their bodies and fell asleep. The three children bled out and died from their wounds. The next morning, one of Claudia's friends went over to the house to check on her. When she walked in, she was in so much shock to see blood everywhere that she starts screaming down the street to get help. The crime scene was described to be bloody. Blood everywhere. Like I said, they bled out. Running down the walls and handprints of the kids on the walls. Mm -hmm. They believe that Alfredo, the son, was attacked downstairs and ran to his bedroom. As he ran, he was touching the walls, leaving his hand marks everywhere. What led Claudia to do this is the question everyone had. It's something unimaginable. You don't picture any mother doing to their kids. People couldn't believe that this is something she would do. She loved her kids. She was a devout Catholic. She was even a catechist teacher. Initially, police thought that the husband committed the crime. She was taken to the hospital for evaluation and get treated. Police questioned Alfredo, the husband, only to find out that they were separated and going through a divorce. He was no longer living in the home. And he told police that the night before, him and Claudia got into a heated argument. So Claudia and Alfredo were in the middle of a divorce because Claudia was having an affair with Father Ramon. <gasps> yes, he was one Candy. of the, I know, he was one of the priests at the church she taught. Damn. Dude, yeah. And then some reports say that she was infatuated with him and was going after the priest. But then other reports say that there was a full-on affair and she wanted the divorce because she wanted to be with Father Ramon. And apparently he had told her that if she divorced her husband, that he would leave the church to start a life with her. When the affair was brought to light after the murders, Father Ramon denied everything and immediately was transferred out of church. She said she was having an affair with him mm -hmm. and the father denied mm -hmm. having an affair with her. Denied it when the crime happened. So mm -hmm. nobody knew okay. but Alfredo and Claudia. Mm -hmm. And then when the crime happened, um, he denied everything and the church immediately transferred him out. They transferred him out to another church far, far away from her to not be part of the scandal. Wow. Yeah. So back to the night before the murder. Alfredo told police that he went over to the house to try and work things out with Claudia. He was trying to convince her to double think the divorce. Um, it got pretty heated because Claudia refused to give him an opportunity. And she pretty much told him like, no, I want Father Ramon. I don't want nothing to do with you. And this shit like pissed him off. Mm -hmm. And then there's a report that says that she apparently told him, te vas a arrepentir de esto and close the door. Mm -hmm. But I only saw that on one article. I don't know how true that is. And then one of Claudia's friends told police that she talked to her the night of the argument. Her friend was a bit alarmed with the conversation because Claudia was telling her that she could hear and see angels, but could also hear and see demons. And that these demons were telling her that Mazatlan has fallen and that everyone there were spirits. Wait, Mazatlan like the city? Yes, where she was from. Oh. Her friend tried calming her down and promised to go visit her in the morning. But after they hung up, Claudia commits the crimes. 
Like, it was, like, in the middle of the night. So, mm -hmm. on the 23rd, it was, like, super late. After they hang up, Claudia goes to sleep. And then she wakes up and does it. Claudia denied killing her kids and said that she doesn't remember doing it. Detectives say that when they questioned her, she was talking about her kids as if they were still alive. And even told one of the detectives, like, I have to get out of here. I have to go pick up my kids from school. It's so hard with that because you're like, are they lying or did they really black out? I did read that apparently a few months prior to the murders, she had several panic attacks. Her mental health was deteriorating and it was around the time that they started the divorce process and she was in this affair with the father or mm -hmm. with the priest. It is kind of tough, but she was later evaluated and was found to be schizophrenic. Because of this, she was only given 30 years in a psychiatric center in La Ciudad de México. She was released April 24th, 2019, exactly 30 years from the horrific crime. But we all know where there's a tragic death, there's also hauntings. And like I mentioned in the beginning, neighbors have struggled to sell or rent their homes. People report that every year on April 24th, they can hear loud screams from kids coming from inside the house. Some say that you can clearly hear kids screaming, help, oh, no. ayuda, you know. Some, yeah, something about like kid hauntings, yeah. like children cries or laughing. I know like you that. said that before that yeah, that just freaks you just, out. It freaks me out. Yeah, the house looks pretty eerie. The house is currently abandoned. No one lives there. They refuse to buy that specific home. And if you look at the house, the windows are broken. There's graffiti all over the house, inside, outside. You know what an abandoned house looks like. And people in the neighborhood have said that they can also see orbs and shadows walking through the windows. And there's no windows. So pretty much they see the shadow like reflecting on the second floor, mm -hmm. on the walls. They've tried adding a fence to the house because many do break in. They want to get in touch with the spirit and see what they can encounter. The paranormal group Extra Normal went to the home to investigate. One of the investigators is a medium, so he sees and feels spirits. Before starting their investigation, they dedicated a prayer to the spirits, so to the kids, and asked permission to investigate as well as a protection from any evil spirits that may be in the home. Because it is rumored that there is a lot of negative spirits in there. In the YouTube video, you can hear noises and there's like a part where a door apparently moves. And they do show it, but I personally can't see it move like maybe a little bit. But I'm like, is it the camera moving? You know, I get a little skeptic when it comes to shows yeah. like this. And then also think about it. There's no windows. So maybe air. I get kind of skeptic. If yeah. I'm not there to see it, I'm like, hmm, I have to see it with my own eyes. Yeah, some shows can be like very dramatic. Yeah. No, but I could tell with these guys reactions mm -hmm. very different to what's that other guy um um the ghost is it ghost adventures yes or something? yes i feel like they're dramatic yeah yeah like, they are that's what i mean like those shows that are super dramatic about any noise and they play it over and over and you're like it's just like water tapping or something yeah because i have watched that show before and i'm like okay this looks really fake mm -hmm. this is the first time i watch extra normal and i feel like their reaction at least to me seemed pretty genuine mm -hmm. But I did question the door. I'm like, ay, no sé, no vi la puerta. And one of the guys freaked out. He was making me laugh because 
He's just walking and then out of nowhere, he's like, Ay, no, 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 la puerta, la puerta. And he <laughs> runs out. It was him and this other guy in the room that walked in and both of them at the same time run out like, <laughs> fuck this. And then there's three guys in the back and they stop right away and kind of like scoop back. <laughs> and then they're like, vieron lo de la puerta, vieron la puerta, se abrió. The cameraman's trying to capture it, but because they all ran back, he had no choice but to run back oh, since okay, he was okay. walking behind them. Another thing that I noticed is that there was a lot of noise. When you'd hear the noise, they would all jump around. But we didn't, like, no one else is there to capture where this noise came from. Now, like I said earlier, people break into the house. Um, and some of these people break in to do rituals, which tend to bring all these negative spirits. They report a lot of cold spots and they use a ghost meter to communicate with the spirits. On one occasion, they come in contact with Alfredo's spirit. They asked him questions like, if you're Alfredo, make the meter beep one for yes and two for no. And it beeps one for yes. They also ask, is there a dark spirit here with you? One for yes and two beeps for no. And it beeped one for yes. In that moment, they see a movement and they all freak out. And it's a movement towards a window. They also ask if this dark spirit is bothering him and the ghost box beeps once for yes. They all report to feel something passing behind them and noises all over as this all happens. And it happens so fast. I know the way that I'm saying it sounds like it happened in like steps, but no, it happened all at once. So as they're asking this question, like, is there an evil spirit here with you? Within that moment, it beeps yes. And you can hear something was thrown or there's a noise that comes through the window and they all run back. And it's all within that second. The paranormal group is talking to each other, telling each other, do you see that shadow? You saw that person pass by. Did you see that black shadow? So they report seeing lots of shadows passing by. And then they also turn the camera so you can see all the offerings that people take, toys, blankets, which is believed to be used after performing rituals to communicate with the kids' spirits. Then you hear a voice. As they're showing all of that, you hear a voice. And I clearly heard that voice. I don't know what it said. Something with like psychopata or mm -hmm. something. But it sounded very low. Was this on the EVP? Or yes. like out loud? And the, well, it, it was on the recording. Oh, okay. I'm going to link the video. Mm -hmm. So if anybody that wants to watch it, go watch it. It's pretty funny, actually. Their reactions are so funny yeah. to me. So yeah, so then you hear this voice and you can clearly hear it in the video. And they all turn around, freak out, jump back. To them, it sounded like a woman. They believe it was something demonic since it's known that demons tend to act like little kids or tend to act like good spirits. The medium can feel that whoever that was, was mad and acting like they were one of the kids. And he even tells them, don't trust them. Like, don't trust that this is a kid mm -hmm. because they're acting like these are the bad ones. And you need to make sure that you don't think it's something good because that's what they do. Oh, that's so creepy. I know. Now, the medium gets a message as the voice comes in, that voice that they hear. He gets a message at the same time and the message that he got or what he heard because um, I don't know how mediums communicate with ghosts, but yeah. like it all happened again within the same time. They ask him, what are you doing here? And that's whenever that that little voice comes on in the video. He also says that the spirit is telling him that whoever killed them wasn't their mom. 
insinuating that she was possessed. That the daughter saw her doing it, but knew it wasn't her. Aww. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, this is a lot. Like, I saw this a lot. And this is why this case became, other than the fact that she murdered her kids, a lot of people questioned if she really was schizophrenic. Also, it is 1989. I feel like a lot of people don't believe in mental health. But they said that she hasn't had a mental breakdown like that since that night. I don't know if they can have a mental breakdown like that, even though you're in treatment. I'm not familiar with that. There is a video of her leaving, and she looks pretty healthy. Mm -hmm. Someone has to be with her at all times, mm -hmm. just in case she does have a mental breakdown because she can then hurt somebody else. And that's what they're trying to prevent. It became a big thing because a lot of people thought that she was possessed. They just couldn't believe that it was mental health yeah. um, because they never saw her act like that ever. But they do report her having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. So I'm surprised that they even released her. She's just like out after getting her three kids. Yeah, I mean, it's in Mexico. I'm not sure what their laws are when it comes yeah. to that. But I mean, here with mental health, they are a little softer. You have to go to mm -hmm. a psychiatric center. And that's pretty much what they did with her. And they gave her like the hardest punishment, which was 30 years for mental health. Um, and then another thing is that there's other reports that I saw that I will link where she says that she heard Father Ramon's voice saying, your kids are the demon. You need to get rid of them so we can be together. They were um, saying they should have investigated Father Ramon a little bit more because they really didn't investigate him. Once the Catholic Church transferred him to another church, they never talked to him. Actually, they never talked to him at all. They should have if, like, exactly. That's she the thing. was so involved with him. Yeah, and that's the thing that everyone says, that what if he was the one feeding her this information because mm -hmm. they say that she was so in love with him, and maybe he was the one telling her, your kids are in the way. Yeah, so this is the do it. Yeah, so this is the voice that she keeps hearing, and that's why she did what she did that night. There's so much controversy in this case. So in the end, they set up their monitors and they see a shadow passing by in the room. But the shadow looks small and it's very faint and it's like on the bottom right corner. And you could see it. You could see the movement of like something black coming in and then coming out. So they believe it was one of the younger kids. At the end, they closed the investigation by performing a healing ritual to close any portals and get rid of any negative spirits because they say the house is like a portal. With so many rituals people are doing, it opened up a portal where any bad spirit can come in and out. And these spirits are bothering the kids that stayed there. I wonder how the house was like even whenever the kids were living there and her. Like I wonder if there was already like evil things going on like or anything, evil spirits or or anything like that. Anything reported. There isn't anything that that I saw. I, I was looking into that, but there's nothing reported. And if there was, I feel like it's been so many years mm -hmm. that I'm sure stories have been changed. Yeah. But yeah, that is it with my case. A sad, tragic murder turned into a haunted house. Kind of thought of like the Amityville. Yeah, like a house where there's just so many different spirits and things going on. Or like, I always go back to AH, like American Horror Story. Yeah, that, oh, yeah the murder first house. season. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's sad though. Like, I really hope those kids find the light or find some peace. I hope so too. And then they say that they do have the house boarded up. And if you want to go in there, 
you do have to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. That is what um one of the YouTube videos with the paranormal group uh said they have tried boarding the house and I think they were finally successful in doing it. And now in order for you to go into the house, you kind of have to ask permission. You have to go through the government or get some type of permission to go in and investigate the house. The kids could be a little bit more protected now. So do you remember those porcelain dolls that my mom used to sell? Yes, and they're scary. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that she had like aligned on the garage shelves. Dude, that that was so scary. You'd open the door and they were like staring yeah. right back at There's you. There's like, like 20 dolls just staring at you. What the fuck? I mm-hmm. know. And I would always remember like I would walk left and I'd be like, they're looking at me. And then I would walk right and I'm like, they're still looking at me. I remember. Well, this case made me realize why I was always so afraid of them. This story is about a Japanese doll named Okiku. In 1918, a 17-year-old boy named Ekichi Suzuki went to visit Sapporo, Hokkaido. While he was visiting, he bought a doll for his two-year-old sister, Okiku. The doll was around 16 inches tall and wore the traditional kimono and an okapa hairstyle, which is like a, like a bob haircut with the straight bangs. It's really popular in dolls and Japanese characters. Okiku fell in love with this doll and even named it after her. She would play all day with this doll, she would sleep with it, take it everywhere she went, and tragically at the age of three, Okiku fell ill with a high fever and passed away. The family was devastated and even attempted to cremate the doll with Okiku, but I think because of the material that the doll was made out of, it was impossible. So they put the doll on the altar that they dedicated for her, where they would pray in her memory. After some time, they started noticing that the doll's hair began to grow. Soon, it was shoulder length, then past her shoulders, and so on. The family came to the conclusion that it must be Okiku's spirit living on through her favorite doll. So her hair didn't grow until she passed away. Yeah. So the doll was like normal. I think she she must have had it for like maybe a year or like a couple months. But it was until she passed away that her hair started growing. Oh, shit. While the family had the doll in the altar, a lot of strange things happened in the home. The family would dream of the doll and wake up in a cold sweat with fear, not remembering what exactly they dreamt but knowing the doll was in their dreams. Then, the hauntings began with lights flickering on and off, random loud bangs in the house, and strange voices in the rooms when no one else was home. The worst of it all is that they would sometimes wake up with the doll cuddled in their arm. Shut the fuck up! Yes, that part I was like, hold on, what? They said that the doll would literally like appear in their bed with them when they would wake up. Oh, it's the little girl. Yeah. But why would she be like, I guess, travesuras, just being mischievous if it, you know, if it is her. Yeah. Or just wanting to like cuddle with their mom or dad. Yeah. But I'm thinking like the banging, the lights on and off. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's so creepy. I know. 20 years later, the family moved to another district and gave the doll to the Meninji Temple where it remains today. At first, I asked myself, why would they stay with the doll for 20 years, right? But I did read that the family grew fond of the doll since they believed it was the spirit of their daughter. So I really think they just got used to the doll. Mm-hmm. And it just, it became special to them because for them it was like, let's hurt. Like that's Okiku living in the doll. Yeah, why, why would they give it away though? Well, they only left the doll so that it can stay close to her grave. They felt like if they take the doll with them that, I don't know, like maybe the spirit wouldn't live there anymore. Mm. They wanted to keep her close to where she passed away, pretty much. Oh, so did they leave the daughter behind too? Yeah. That's so sad. They didn't move that far. It said that that they moved to another district. So I'm guessing they were still in the area, but just not 
not that close. So they wanted to leave the doll close to the cemetery. So that's why they took it to the temple. Got it. And also because I feel like they felt like in the temple, she would rest and she would be protected. And while at the Meninchi temple, Okiku's hair continued to grow. The priest there continuously trim and maintain her hair since they said that she appeared in their dreams and asked for them to trim it. Shut <laughs> <Yeah>. up. Because <laughs> I looked at the at the picture and I thought her hair was going to be wild, but dude, she still has the bangs like they're like brushing her hair and everything. Um, if not, her hair would probably be like way past her feet. But no, they keep it maybe like knee length. Yeah, that's so funny. I know. And the hauntings didn't stop at the family home. The priests and even visitors have reported dreaming of the doll and hearing sounds and voices around the temple when no one else is around. Shut up. Yeah. According to the articles I read, they did send a sample of the hair for scientific research and it turned out to be human hair. No way. So was it originally human hair or this new hair that's growing is human hair? Well, that's the question. Like at that time, some antique dolls were made with human hair. So it's like it could have originally already had human hair. Yeah, but it's something that they didn't test because it wasn't growing. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So that it is human hair. We just don't know whose hair it is or if it already came with human hair. I wonder if they tested with the DNA of the family. I know. I wish. That's what I thought, too. I'm like, well, like tested out with Okiku's DNA. And her parents, as well as the priest, have not wanted to do any further research because they protect the doll so much. They don't want it to get ruined. They want to keep it the way it is. I feel like almost like what you said about the mannequin, La Pascualita. Yeah. That like whenever they took it and they like may- maybe messed with it, put it on display, whatever, it came back and it's not the same. Like it doesn't give you the same energy anymore. Yeah. So I almost feel like the same thing with this. Like if they would take it, do scientific research, this and that, maybe it would it would lose that spirit or, would, or, or if it is attached it. Yeah. yeah people can visit okiku today at the meninji temple where she is displayed at a shrine in a little wooden box visitors report that her mouth is starting to open slightly revealing small baby teeth beginning to grow shut up no freaking yeah. way no way i know it's just like it's worse and worse <laughs> i refuse to believe that apparently all the articles that i read said that if you look closely at the mouth you can see little teeth have the priest said that they can see the teeth it's not specified if the priest said it if visitors said it but it is said that if you look closely in her mouth you can see her baby teeth starting to grow Mm -hmm. i would believe if the priest says we can see it but I have to see it for myself. Right. Especially them that they're like so close to her all the time. I'm sure they know. Yeah. Um, So yeah, if you're ever in Hokkaido, Japan, pay a visit to Okiku where she awaits and maybe she can even visit you in your dreams. I want to go. I would want to go too. I think, I don't don't think it's evil. Yeah, I don't either. But I would not want to have a dream of a doll that I That's like even scarier, right? That's scary. I feel like in your dream, you can't escape. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. whenever something's in your dream, like, you just have to wait until you wake up. Yeah. Well, that's it for episode 11. We hope you enjoyed this one. And don't forget to rate us. And follow us on our social media, TikTok at Something Ominous. Instagram is Something Ominous Podcast. YouTube is Something Ominous. And also, don't forget to send us any stories that you have. Again, it does not have to be scary. It could be any heartwarming, dreams, anything, freaking aliens. I don't know. Have you been abducted by an alien? 
let us know at something ominous pod at gmail.com. Well, thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye.